Paul concluded those words, again, he said, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. Don't, don't give up, is what he's saying. Don't give up, my beloved. Don't walk away from Jesus. Why does Paul say that? Don't give up, my beloved. You see, he knows how tired we get, how hard it is, like, like running a marathon. And you, you finally get to, to mile 21, right? And you've never run further. You've never wanted to quit more. And yet the finish line still feels like it's an eternity away. Now, I'm, I'm not a runner. I've never run a marathon, and I won't, okay? Uh, but that's kind of what this last year has felt like, right? It's, it's felt like a marathon. In fact, frankly, it felt like mile 21 back sometime last summer. And I, I don't know what mile we're on now. I don't know how long this race is, the after effects, right, of, of all this mess. But I do know this. We're tired. Whether, whether, it's, whether it's COVID or a million other things, Many of us are tired. I feel like Haley Carruthers. She looks like many of us feel, right? She's a marathon runner. A couple years ago, she was running, running a marathon, uh, the London Marathon, and she collapsed just yards before the finish line, but kept going, like crawled the rest of the way to get her best time. It's kind of what we feel like right now, right? And like when you, when you see her, if you watch the, the video, like you, you almost want to like stand up and like cheer her on, like, like keep going. You're like, you're almost there. That's what Paul is doing. That's us, or at least some of us. If, if not now, at, at some point, if not this year, some other time, there'll be times in your life when you feel like giving up. And you're barely able to just crawl through. And chances are, you and I both know people who have given up. Who've given up on Jesus. For any, for any number of reasons. A friend, a child, a spouse. Maybe it's you who've given up. Or maybe it's you who's thinking about it. Don't give up, my beloved. For the Philippian church, if you've been with us, you kind of maybe know the context, but if you don't, let me kind of bring us back up to speed. For the Philippian church, like they're beginning to experience quite a bit of hostility, right? They're experiencing the same kind of suffering that Paul in prison has been suffering. And so they're beginning to be, to be marginalized and it's only getting harder. And then they had these, these other folks who are trying to convince them that they have to be circumcised. They're Gentiles. They're like, well, if you're really going to follow Jesus, you've, you've got to do this as well. So they're adding to Jesus, adding to the gospel. Anytime you try to add to Jesus, it's going to tire you out. And then there was conflict within the, within the church. We'll see that next week. And then in their culture, they were, they were steeped in a culture of, of rampant sexuality, injustice, idolatry, and pluralism. Not to mention their own personal temptations and heartaches. In other words, not a lot has changed in 2,000 years. Because we, we feel some of these same pressures. We live in a world in which faith is growing more and more implausible. 
And it's just getting harder. I mean, even just think back a few decades ago, Christians in our culture were considered to be decent people. And, and then a little bit later after that, they were considered, well, they're just kind of weird people. And, and now more and more, we're considered harmful people, destructive people. Even, even within the church, we divide over any number of things. Or, or we try to add to Jesus, Jesus plus my political preferences, Jesus plus my opinion and preferences. We, we surround, we're surrounded by a host of idols, right? Sometimes worshiping gods of consumerism, comfort, individualism, sexuality, freedom. And then, of course, on top of that, we have our own individual temptations and personal heartaches. And so if we're, if we're running the race at all, it's not pretty. It doesn't feel like winning. And many of us are tired. Don't give up, my beloved. Turn to Philippians 3, if you haven't already. Now remember in this, this letter, right, Paul is after their joy. This book is about joy. And, and quitting and joy like, almost never go together, right? I mean, yes, there are times and situations in life when, yeah, you should quit something, right? That, that, that happens. But, like, that's, that's the exception, right? Typically, like, real joy, more often than not, real joy comes in perseverance. Even, even when that means crawling across the finish line. And so if you, if you feel like you're at mile 21 today, or worse, you feel like Haley Carruthers, you are not alone. God in his word understands. And in these verses, we see three encouragements not to give up on Jesus. No matter how tired you feel, no matter how long the race, three encouragements not to give up. Okay, so last, last week, if you were here, we, we ended with this, like, this great crescendo in the middle of chapter 3, right? Of, of Paul's desire to, to know Christ and to be found in him. And it was, it was kind of a powerful verse, right? It felt like winning. But then, in verse 12, look what he says. like, But you know what? Not that I've already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You know, I, I, tend, to, I tend to picture Paul as someone who's arrived, right? He met Jesus, for crying out loud. He, he wrote a big portion of the New Testament. I mean, my goodness. And yet here he writes, like... To the church, like, I still have so far to go. I've not arrived. I've not, I've not obtained all of this. And like, I don't know about you, like that comforts me a little bit. Like even the Apostle Paul occasionally felt stuck on mile 21. And church, like there are times when I want to give up because I look at my life and I'm like, you know, I've been following Jesus now for 23 and a half years. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the 18-year-old kid I was when I sort of began this journey with him. I know, I know that I've grown. I know that I've changed. But I'm still angry, selfish, fearful, insecure. I still say things that hurt the people I love. I still turn to any variety of things to tell me that my life 
is okay. I mean, like Paul, I've not, I've not obtained this. I've not been made perfect. I've not made it fully my own. And it's so easy to get discouraged, isn't it? But Paul essentially here is saying, and this is, this is the first thing I take from this passage, the first encouragement. He's essentially saying, don't give up. You aren't yet what you will be. Don't give up. You aren't yet what you will be. If, if, you're, if you're with Jesus, you aren't yet what you will be. Your friends aren't. Your kids your spouse, like that annoying person. None of us are quite yet what we will be. And I don't know about you, but those, those words make me want to run just a little bit further. Because you, you can't just look at who you are. Like if you do that, that's a good way to ruin anybody's day, right? Unless you're just completely arrogant. Um, you, can't, you can't just look at who you are. Like look at who Jesus is making you to be. He says, not that I've already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I love, I love that language. I, I press on to make it mine, because he has made me his. You belong to Jesus. And he, he is making you into the person you're always meant to be, and it's Taking forever. And for some of us, it feels like it's taken a really, really long time, right? But you're not yet who you will be. And so Paul says we, we forget what's behind, right? And, and this, isn't, this isn't like a, a naive sort of optimism. He, he's not saying we just sort of brush it, you know, brush it away, you know, bury our past, nothing like that. We, obviously, we learn from our past. We, we've made mistakes. We repent, right? We try to make it right, of course, but we don't let it define us. I think that's what he's saying. Like, we're not, we're not defined by our past mistakes. Like, you are more than the mistakes you made in high school or college. You are more than that affair that you had. You're more than the abuse or betrayal you've received. Keep running. Don't give up, my beloved. You aren't yet what you will be. Okay, from here then, Paul gives a contrast. Kind of carries a similar metaphor. He uses a few different metaphors. Now he's talking about walking. Before it was more like this, this striving, almost this running right towards, towards the prize. But he, it's similar, similar marathons. But he gives us a contrast, really, that as we run this race, right, striving or even crawling toward the prize, there are, there are two groups of people. There, there are those who run with us or like, or like ahead of us, right, around us. They, they encourage us. But then for Paul, there are also those very clearly who run against us. And so even just imagine that for a moment. Like imagine running a marathon and you're, you're running it with a small group of people and you're all headed this way. Uh, but at the same time, on this crowded street, the majority of people are all running this way. And, and so you're like, you're trying to, to watch for them, right? You're trying to see where they're going and trying to, you know, weave your way through. But you're like, you're, you're dodging, you're, you're, getting, you're getting hit over and over and over again. It's like, it's really, really hard to do this. Like, at, at some point, when are you going to just say, this is stupid? Like, this is too hard. 
And these, these people going this way, they, they're, not, they're not idiots. They must know something I don't know. At, one, at what point are you going to consider giving up and turning around and going this direction? Because this way is super hard. I mean, don't you feel that way sometimes? I mean, think about it. We believe that a dead guy rose again. Who believes that? We believe in sin and hell. We believe crazy things about sex and gender and justice. We, we believe that God is our authority, that this book is our authority. We believe that Jesus is the only way to God. We believe in loving our enemies, sacrificing our rights and preferences, pouring our lives out on behalf of others. Nah, I'm gonna run the other way for a while. Right? It's hard. Like, running is hard enough. Running this way when our entire culture is running that way is exhausting. Paul knows. And so he reminds us, here's the second thing, don't give up. He's essentially saying in this this middle section, don't give up, the other way is not better. It's not better. Like, yes, we're going this way, but it's easy, it looks looks so much simpler to turn around, to give up and go the other, but don't do it. Look what he says, verse, verse 17. Verse 17, brothers and sisters, Join in imitating me, Paul says, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. This direction, right? For many, Paul says, of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Now don't don't miss Paul's tenderness here. He doesn't doesn't say this with with anger or judgment. There are tears in his eyes as he writes this, like with love and sorrow. And if we can't can't speak with compassion, then don't speak at all. There's deep compassion in his voice. Now, we we don't know exactly who it is that Paul's talking about here. What we do know is that Paul, he clearly loves them, right? He's he hurts for them, even though they're making it really hard to run. And he knows that we can't just turn around and and join them, that the other way is not is not better. He says they're enemies of Jesus. Which I know, like that's that feels like really harsh language for us. But keep in mind, Paul is in prison, right, because of some of these folks. And the Philippians are beginning to experience the same level of hostility towards them. I think we've forgotten sometimes that the world is not neutral to us. Not if we're going to take Jesus seriously. And if you live as an enemy of Jesus, then your end is destruction, he says. Look look how Paul even describes him. He says their God is their belly. Like their God is their desires, their impulses, their appetites. Like you are what you feel, right? Personal satisfaction. Your desires are never wrong. Like, if you feel it, if you want it, it must be good. We call it freedom, but they're just slaves to their appetites. Because they glory in their shame. They're proud of their sin. 
They celebrate their brokenness and they demand that everyone always, everywhere, always affirms them and everything about them. With minds set on earthly things, Paul says, it's all they can think about is now. This 80 years, you only live once. This is all there is and so you better get it while you can. Wow, we humans have really evolved, haven't we? I mean, people say we're progressing. We're really just returning to the moral standards of the first century, of the ancient world. We're actually regressing. But, but don't, don't be fooled in that. It's not just those people somewhere out there. This is, this is us. How many of us have already begun to turn and run the other way? Letting our, 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 our belly be our gods, our desires, our appetites, focused only on earthly things. Paul is calling us back. He's saying to the church and he's saying to us, the other way is not better. But if you reject Jesus, it leads to destruction. So church, keep running. It's so hard. I mean, how did Haley Carruthers do it, right? Look at her again. She crawled. But she crawled because she knew she was almost there. Like, she, she knew the race was, was almost over. It, would, it wouldn't last forever, that there would be a good end for her when she did, that there would be, there would be a prize. And so does, so does Paul. So, so here, here's the last thing. I think from this last section of this, this part, these verses, Paul is encouraging us, don't give up. There's more joy coming. Don't give up. There is more joy coming. It doesn't, it doesn't come for those who run the other way. It doesn't come for those who quit. And if you're, if you're worried about your own ability to run, like, you don't have to sprint across. Yeah, you, you don't have to skip, right? Very few actually do. You can crawl. But for those who cross this finish line, Paul says, there is more joy coming. Look at verse, verse 20. Again, in, in contrast to these other folks, he says, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body or the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. I just, I, church, I need that reminder, like that I don't just live for now. Like I, we, we constantly forget like that we, we actually live forever. Like we don't, we don't just have 80 years to get joy, right? But so easily we live as if this is it. Like death is the end, right? Like what would, what would change in your life? In my life, I actually believed, I actually lived like I would live forever. You don't have 80 years to get joy. You have forever with Jesus. And if you live as if there's more joy coming, not only will you get joy then, you'll also run with a strange kind of joy even now. A joy that keeps you running. Paul says our, our citizenship is in heaven. Like that's, that is our home. 
that is our country. Yes, we, we live here now, and yes, we should care about earthly things as well. But nations come and go. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we wait for King Jesus. And he will come, and he will transform us and make us whole once again. Don't give up, beloved. There is more joy coming. Whatever you lack, whatever you feel like you're giving up as a result of following Jesus, or that you feel has been taken from you, whatever, whatever sorrows you feel or temptations, they will not last forever. I know, I know what some of you are still thinking, though. Yes, Nathan, I, I know all this, right? I've heard it before but it doesn't explain the fact that I'm still tired. It still feels like mile 21. And you're right, the world is broken. We're so broken. It's hard to keep running. But we don't have to do it alone. Go, go back to our, our definition of joy from the first week of our Philippians study. If you remember, we, we defined joy as joy is when someone is glad to be with me. That joy ultimately is relational, both, both horizontal and vertical with God. That joy is always relationship, relational. And if you want to persevere, if you want to keep running, like here's the key from Paul right here. Don't run alone. Don't run alone. We need each other. We need to carry each other, encourage one another, keep each other accountable, keep showing each other the, the way as we go. I mean, remember, it's like running a, a crowded marathon in the opposite direction. Like, don't, don't do that by yourself. E- even Paul, like the commandment that he gives, gives here, right? He, he commands the church, he commands us. Verse 17, brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Paul says, imitate me. Which for us, like, well, I want to be my own person, right? I want to do my own thing. Like, we just, we can't imagine that. Like, we're supposed to, but no, Paul says we're supposed to imitate the people who are ahead of us. Like, he's saying, if you don't know how to run, if you don't know the direction, if you don't know where we're going, then just follow me. Transparently, as a pastor, it's verses like these that terrify me the most, right? But we should be able to look at those who lead us as well as those who are just ahead of us in this race, and imitate them, not as perfect examples, but as tangible examples. It's, it's like, uh, as, a, as a family, sometimes we're, if we're hiking in really difficult terrain, right, a rocky path, or, you know, it's just really, really hard, I will literally say to the kids, step where I step. Like, follow in my, like, literally, as I, like, if I'm here, then you go here, right? And that's kind of what, what Paul is, is doing here. Because the reality is, like, you're going to imitate someone. None of us, none of us lives to ourselves. None of us do. We're all, we're all imitating. We're imitating our friends. We're imitating our parents. We're imitating our, our coworkers, anybody close to us. We're imitating our, our favorite talk show host, celebrities. You will imitate someone. Imitation is inevitable. But if you want joy, imitate those who practice the kind of joy that keeps running, that perseveres. One of my favorite seminary professors, Crawford Loritz, he's also a pastor and author, I think in Atlanta still. Um, 
It's one of the few things I remember uh, from seminary many, many years ago. Uh, he said that every follower of Jesus, he expands this metaphor. He says every follower of Jesus needs really three people to run with, three kinds of people. And it's so simple. This is why I remember it. He said we need, we need pacers, racers, and tracers. And I love it. So, I mean, you, know, you can't forget that. Pacers, racers, and tracers. We need pacers. We need somebody who's setting the pace for us. Those who are ahead of us, right? Who, who, who know, are just a little bit ahead, right? That we can follow and see who can, who can encourage and keep us accountable, right? People who will lead us, teach us, pastor us, shepherd us. We need pacers. We also need racers, right? The people alongside us that we're running with. Peers, spiritual friendships. People who will continue to keep us accountable and encouraged, running side by side. And then, and then tracers, right? The people who run behind you, following you. Like it or not, somebody's following you. Just how it works, right? Kids, grandkids, people younger in your profession, younger in the faith, or volunteering with, with children and students here as a church. Pacers, racers, and tracers. Don't run alone, my beloved. For this, this is the community for which Jesus gave his life. For us as a people, his death and his resurrection for our joy. Don't give up. You are not yet what you will be. Don't give up. The other way is not better. Don't give up. There is more joy coming. I know some of you are tired. I know some of you are discouraged. And chances are some of you have already started to turn and go the other way. The race is long and the race is hard. Don't give up, beloved. Run with us. Crawl with us if you have to. For there is more joy coming. Let's pray. Father, I do pray in particular for those who are just exhausted or overwhelmed or discouraged and who maybe are considering throwing in the towel. God, I pray that you would hold them close. Remind them of your goodness and love. God, even, even if they're crawling, God, I pray that you keep them moving forward with you. And in so doing, God, would you be their joy? Would you be our joy? And for those of us maybe who don't feel that way, right now, God, who, who aren't particularly discouraged or tired, God, I pray that they would set the example, that we'd be able to imitate them in their joy as they run. And even as we sing, God, for the, if, we don't, if we don't have the joy within us to sing ourselves, God, I pray that we would listen to those who do, and that we'd be filled up as a result with your love and your goodness and your presence. We pray this in Jesus' name.